Welcome to the Life by Design, Not Default podcast. I'm Paige. And I'm Elaine. And we want to talk about all things life, business, and beyond. This podcast is for anyone done with the mediocre and ready to design a life that is meaningful, impactful, and fun. And we want to know, how are you living your life by design? Hey everyone, welcome back to the Life by Design Not Default podcast. I am your co-host Elaine Terso, and I'm here with my business bestie, Kate Page Engel. And we have a new hello, friend hello. with us. Her name is Mary McGuire, and I'm going to introduce you to Mary. So Mary says it's taken 30 years of leading successful organizational transformation for Mary to be able to distill her learning into focused relevant and engaging material for women on the edge of a career breakthrough. Despite leaving school with no qualifications and with few prospects, she has built an impressive international career and lifestyle as an, and is an expert in the field of transformation and female advancement. Using her skills and expertise gained through working with global corporations and high-performing executive, she has distilled her learning into easily applied techniques and processes that she wants to share with you in her second book, The Female Edge. She firmly believes that women can find authentic success without compromising their values or ideals. I love that. That is totally talking my jam. So Welcome, Mary, Mary. We're so excited. Mary, Mary, that was funny. Welcome, Mary, to our <laughs> podcast. We're so excited to have you. You can call me Mary, Mary. Uh, you know, you may think I'm so good you need to name me twice. <laughs> I don't even know where um, that came from. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, it's great to be here. I'm excited um, to be here and chatting with you. You're both really inspirational women in your own right, and I love the show, and I'm very excited to be here today. Well, thank you oh, so much. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, we always love talking to women on a global level. Uh, we both consider ourselves to be global citizens. So we're so happy that the time difference, you're able to join us uh, this evening and share some of your wisdom with us. So I really, you know, I'm an uh, author as well. So is Elaine. Uh, I really want to know more about your book, The Feminine Edge. Maybe you can just yeah. give us a a brief synopsis of I, have, what I know people won't be able to you. see it, but I have to, yeah, I have to yeah. put it into the, um, to the chat and I have to send you both a copy as well. Um, thank you for the great intro, Elaine. Um, but I, and I think what I said in there, it's taken me 30 years of hard earned um, experience to get it into such a, a, a concentrated and structured way of explaining the journey. Um, but the book um, came out of my experiences of coaching women to success. Um, and what were the tools? What was the processes? What was the steps? I brought them through so they could see themselves as being far bigger, far greater, achieving far more than they ever thought possible and then going out and doing it. Um, so that the book came from that. Um, but there's three premises behind the book. And I talk about the three premises first because they're really important, not only in terms of the context of what I say in the book, but also my, my philosophy to life, really. And the first of the premises is um, we don't because 
women don't know how to lead. That's not the case at all. Women are excellent leaders. They're excellent at actually cooperation, coordination, building collaboration in teams, and they often outperform men in that in that arena. Um, so even with all of the qualifications, education and experience being equal to their male colleagues, women are still not making it to the more senior levels in corporate America and corporates in corporates across the world. And, and so the, the premise is that it's not that the women have got anything missing, no, not at all. In fact, that they've got some pluses in their abilities, um, but more that they're working with an uneven playing field. So it's tilted ever so slightly towards having men preferred and the bias, non-conscious bias about men, particularly white men, being better leaders than white women or people of colour or women of colour and any other of the diverse characteristics we could go into. So it, it, we have to acknowledge that that uneven playing field exists. So that's the first premise. The second premise, which is really strong in all of the work I do, and I know it's really strong for you two ladies because I've heard your show and I've heard how you talk about things, but success really is an inside job. So if we want to be successful on the outside, if we want to be successful in our career, in our life, in our relationships, in our community, whatever it is, we have to dig deep and find the success in ourselves, which starts from a whole series of things, self-compassion, self-belief, um, um, self-care, all sorts of things. But it has to start with, I believe I have the right to be successful. I believe that what I bring to the world is unique and it's wanted and it's valued. We have to come and we, and that often takes a bit of work because we have to unpack all the things which have said the opposite to us. So we have to unpack that and then repack with all the good stuff. And then the third premise is one which comes from my transformation experience. So as you said, a lot of my career has been as a business consultant and I go into global companies. So there'll be household names that, you know, some of which you'll love um, where they have got a global transformation program going on. And they have to they have to ask a workforce which might be 10,000 strong, might be 100,000 strong to change from one way of working to another way of working. But to bring them on that journey of transformation, they have to have all sorts of things in place, you know, understanding of why it's important, how it will affect them, what they get as a benefit from it, and then going into the process of transformation. But change, the third premise, only happens through action. And that's very, very true when you're coaching people to make a change. It's all very well having theory. It's all very well having lots and lots of data points to actually tell you that this is a good idea. It's all very well, you know, talking to lots of people about it. None of that, not one part of that changes your life. It's what you do. So to converting ideas into action, micro habits, small changes in life, incremental steps towards a change, they're what I'm about. And that's what the book is about as well. I love that. I love that you were talking about unpacking and repacking, right? So I have this analogy that I, um, way back when I was a photographer, I loved helping people kind of overcome uh, their negative body image, right? And so, and, yeah. and how they perceive themselves. So I came up with this analogy that kind of like just popped in my head as you were talking about packing and unpacking and repacking. As I imagine, I, I would tell them, imagine yourself, you're walking along your path and you have this suitcase with you and the negative stuff in your suitcase weighs so much. It's so heavy that eventually 
as you're walking your path, you're going to have to stop and you're good because your arms are going to be so tired. You're going to have to unpack your suitcase and mm. decide what to leave behind. And mm. you're going to want to take all the shit out, right? Yeah. And all the, the negative stuff that weighs 25 pounds a piece. And you're going to mm. want to repack your suitcase with joy and with the things that are, that bring you happiness and things like that, okay. because joy and happiness and all those positive things only weighs like three pounds a piece compared to yes. 25 pounds. So it's like you're repacking your suitcase in a way that you get to choose what you want to carry with you and the things you don't want to carry with you, you got to leave that shit behind. You put it in the fuck it mm. bucket and you, and you leave it there and you move forward with, with mm. so much lighter. Like that's like the mm. visual that I, that I've created, like mm. to just kind of give people that, that concept of the, it's a choice. Yeah. It's a I love choice. it. I love it. Yeah. And it reminds me of your show. I think it was um, a two, two episodes back with, was it Ed Langan? Yeah. Um, fantastic. Yeah. And what he talked about was energetic frequency and mm -hmm. the energetic frequency of love and gratitude, how that manifests so many positive things in our life, which, you know, I love that, you know, it's only three pounds instead of 20. Energetically, the frequency is so high instead of a dense, it is lighter. Um, but don't you also find, I love that analogy is, um, I mean, I work not exclusively with women because I do a lot of organizational work around diversity and inclusion and things as well. But a lot of my coaching programs find their path. And so many of them are looking for permission to unpack. It's like, but am I allowed to unpack? And mm. do I have to ask somebody? And will you let me? And it's like the only person, the only person that has to decide this is you. It's like nobody else outside of you and your experience has to decide for you what you unpack and repack in your bag. Mm, love that. Love that. I am very much a, um, I found myself in a, in a position in uh, 2019 page knows I was at this event. Right. And I was choosing that I was, I, photography no longer brought me joy. And I was having to give myself permission to change my mind, but I was looking for other people to give me permission because I was afraid to quit. I was afraid of what people were going to think, what they were going to mm -hmm. say. Oh man, Elaine's changing her mind again or whatever, mm -hmm. which never happened yeah. by the way, mm -hmm. but it was my own bullshit yeah. Um, yeah. story. And when I went and told Paige, I'm quitting, I'm done. And she's like, what? But what it did was it set me up to where I gave myself permission to change my mind and make decisions so much quicker from that moment forward, because I, yeah. I learned how to do it. And it yeah. gave me the confidence to say, mm. I can give myself permission to change yeah. my mind and do what I want to do whenever I want to do it, not on someone mm. else's terms. Mm. That's so yeah. empowering, isn't it? It's wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And Paige has been and a part of all that so many times yeah. of me, you know, <laughs> deciding to do this, changing my mind yeah. about that. And she's like, girl, I can't keep up with you. <laughs> <laughs> it makes for having a very fun friendship though. Mm -hmm. It does. But, but I also think like you were saying, Mary, um, you get to decide, right? Mm. <clears throat> Nobody else gets to decide for you. It's, it's, it's straight up for you. And that is mm. the thing that I, I thought was very courageous that Elaine did. She moved fast. She took action. Mm. Like mm. one minute she tells me, she texts me that she's going, you know, to change. 
shift gears. And by the time I'm texting her back, she's like, I've already sold my camera. I'm like, wait a minute. It's only been like 12 minutes here. Um, But so talk to us a little bit more, Mary, about how you help people get the courage to take that action. Because I think, you know, we know all the things that we should be doing, but we just don't have the courage. And I know you've helped many women and men take Mm. that courageous action. How have you done that? Absolutely. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about my story and then I'll explain what, how the four steps I take people through. So I came from a, from a really crappy childhood situation and bless my mom and dad, they've passed now. So this isn't having, this isn't telling tales out to school, so to speak. But my father was an alcoholic and my mother was a neurotic and we lived in this, we were very poor. They were Irish, hence my name, Maguire. They moved over to England, had very low paid jobs. There was four of us children um, growing up in the house there had been more but my mum had lots of miscarriages and 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 and, um, uh, and child bereavement so there's lots of that anxiety for her as well lived in a very poor area and I was bullied a lot as a child I was brought up as Catholic which in itself brings you lots of beliefs around you not being good enough I mean a core sorry if there's any catholic people out there who don't agree with me but but my experience of it is a core belief of the catholic church is you're not good enough and you should live in living guilt because you are always in a state of sin and and there's very little reading which says you're positive you're valued you're empowered you can do what you like that's not the teaching of that church it's changing you know let me give anyone who's a who's a preacher or, or a priest in that it's changing and i accept that but when I was growing up in a very, very oppressive belief system, which my mum and dad held very, very true, them in their own traumas. And, you know, me and my siblings just trying to find our way out of it. I, I, I bummed out of school um, with no qualifications and really didn't have a clue where I was going. So one of the big steps I took, and this was one of the ones where I don't ask for permission, is I realised I had to move out of my home environment. I'd already moved out as I was in an apartment by the time I was 18. I moved out very quickly. Um, But I I needed to move out of the city I was living in. I needed to move out of the group of friends I was in. I needed to move out of all the habits I was in, which I was starting to be a heavy drinking youth, which obviously was to do with a whole series of things, but also probably the influence of a father. And just to say he wasn't a violent alcoholic. He was just an an absent father. so I had to find my way quite quickly and it was by changing my environment and I wasn't fully conscious of what I was doing then but that led me on the road to then finding the love of my life which is a woman called Joy and you'll see that later my website's called Find Your Joyful Life Um, and we've been together 34 years and then from that going back into education and then from there getting my degrees and my qualifications and finding a career and going from strength to strength but I had to take some very definite steps in order to get some discontinuity between all of my childhood experiences and the expectations that have been laid onto me to a new place where I could start building from a fresh piece of ground. So as a result of that, I really understand how difficult it can be for women, particularly in you know difficult, traumatic or toxic relationships to find the new ground to build on. Mm. Yeah, that's it's so empowering when you choose to decide that you're not, you're not going to be what my friend Bonnie always says is not going to be a victim of your circumstances, right? You're yeah. going to choose to say, 
yep, that happened, but I'm not going to let it define me. I'm not going to let it keep me in that state of victim. I'm going to, I'm going to move forward anyways. And Mm. it's so empowering to do that, but it's not easy to do that. So Mm. did you have like, you know, we kind of all typically most of us have like this aha moment Mm. where you were like, all right, you you're, you're faced with two choices, right. Is, is to fall or to rise. And, and what was Mm. that like for you? Can you, do you, do you remember what that pivotal moment was for you? I would say that there was two points in my journey, which ended up being very pivotal to my life and, you know, very different divergent paths that I could have gone on and outcomes. The first one was that about choosing to leave Birmingham, which was my city, nothing like Birmingham, Alabama, but it's the second industrial city of England. And you know, it was quite, <laughs> a, quite a yucky, grungy city that I was growing up in. And as I said, in, in a small apartment and, I was dealing with my pain and my trauma from childhood and unresolved issues by heavy drinking and heavy partying, um, which actually felt quite, it was quite normalized behavior for me. But I think at some point, and I couldn't tell you the exact time, I woke up one day and thought, there's got to be more to life than this. There really has. And that's when I thought, the only way I'm going to find that is going and doing something completely different. So being able to move a city and a job in one go, I decided I was working in an opticians and, you know, it's quite low paid, but I enjoyed it. I was a receptionist and helped people, you know, get to know contact lenses. And it was quite a nice job. I enjoyed it. And, but um, I thought I've got to, I've got to change jobs and homes. So the only way I could do that was find a living position. And so what I did was I, I there was a, there's a paper we have that actually um, advertises living positions. And I went to a country hotel as a living helper. So I had my home and I had a new job and it was in, it was in a beautiful uh, tourist area in Somerset. And that's when I then rebuilt my life. So that was the first one. So that was a big choice. The second big one was then about a year later, I met Joy in a different hotel. I was living again working in the hotel and I met my partner Joy so I up until that point had had relationships with men and then I found this woman and there was clearly an attraction and there was clearly you know um, it certainly she was very clear that she had a, a much stronger commitment for this to be a relationship not just you know a little fling or whatever and and it really questioned to me what do I want in my life so once I'd chosen to be in that relationship I took her home you know to meet the parents <laughs> which I think was the rev oil in me when I think about it now because there was no there was no softening of the message it's like here I am mum and dad here's the love of my life isn't she wonderful and like my mum was almost throwing holy water over both of us and you know saying the our fathers and thinking oh my god what's happened here I mean she she went into a complete flip and my father was just very aggressive verbally I have to say he was never physically aggressive um and just told us to fuck off and 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 the the point of decision then was okay I'm off see ya and, and it was so it was so obvious to my parents that it was like not a oh see you next week it's like I'm off then and my mother was like I remember stopping my, my father putting a hand on my father to stop him from swearing and saying what do you mean and I say well if, if you can't accept this then that's fair enough you don't need to but joy is the love of my life I'm choosing love and if you want me to choose one thing over the other, I choose joy and the love she gives me because it's so much stronger than what I've ever felt from you, which actually was quite an unkind thing to say, but I was 21, extremely rebellious and very serious. So 
that was a very strong point of, of, of diversion, which actually brought a strength in me, which means that dealing with conversations which are around diversity, which are around being in a minority, which are around um, um, kicking against the uh, dominant culture are second nature to me because wow. I've always done it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because you, you, you've lived it, right? Mm. At a time when we weren't as open, um, no. Some people still aren't, but, mm. you know, at a, at a time when it was very, very difficult to mm. say those things out loud. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that gives you uh, not only a courage, but it gives you an opportunity to kind of put yourself in other people's shoes and mm. be more of an advocate yeah. um, for others. Mm. And, 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 you know, it's sad that sometimes you have to experience those things. Um, in order to get to that place of ad- advocacy. But I think it's also great because then you know what other people are feeling, right? Yeah. When they aren't mm-hmm. included in, mm-hmm. in, in the mainstream conversation. So I, I think that that's not that, I'm, I'm not happy you had to go through it, but I am happy you had to go through it to be your authentic self. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And to absolutely live your best know life. what you mean, Paige. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because, it, it, you know, our resilience generally as, as people, um, comes from us having to meet something that is a challenge for us, overcoming that challenge, and then building the confidence to know we could actually meet and overcome it again. That's where resilience comes from. Yep. So without challenges, without things which actually you know hit us and actually make us really question what's important to us or what we want to deal with, we don't find that strength. So resilience is built on challenge, and so it always provides some nugget of benefit, even if at the time we don't see the benefit. Yes. I love, um, are you familiar with Brene Brown? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. I love her and, you know, her conversations and her teachings Mm. about resiliency, right. Is that basically Mm. I fell down and I got my ass up. Right. Mm. And that is, that is resiliency is that we don't Mm. allow that stuff to keep us down Mm. is that we move forward in spite of it. We move forward, um, in the face of it, right. We just Mm. choose to move forward and, and get back up and, and say, well, that was a lesson. Mm. There's a lesson to learn there. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, I love, I love her, her teachings Mm. about resiliency. Mm. I think it's so empowering and empowering impactful, you know? Yeah. 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 So one of the questions we always love to ask our guests is how have you created a life by design and not default? Mm. Um, well, I know, and I know a number of your guests have talked about this. And again, that's what I, the journey I bring my women through in the programs that I do is, um, if we want a life by design, we have to do a number of things. The first thing we have to do is really question what's important to us. So that's in terms of, you know, our lifestyle, but it's also things like our values. You know, what's the um, emotional resonance we want in our life? What's the level of relationships we want to develop in our life? What's the things we want to give back to people and community generally? So I have to work that out and go internally. And once we've got that clarity, we can then start to set some intentions and I make a separation between intentions and goals. Goals are important to us. So a goal I might set might be I want to run a, run a marathon next year. 
However, I have to say, since I don't run, the chances of me doing it are about as likely as the goal of being a woman on the moon next year. Same, so a girl, is, same. I ain't running nowhere. <laughs> so, so a goal is something we can push out there and say, you know, I really want to aim for that. And intention is a goal with energy. And the energy is the energy of action that we put behind it. I so, love that. Yeah. So, so, so an intention is something that we're about, we, we've, we've, we've um, gone inwards and we've looked at our values and what's important to us. We've looked outwards and said, okay, where do I want to pull myself towards in terms of a new state, a new way of being a new lifestyle. And then we, once we've made that connection between where I am now and what's important to me and where I want to go, we then become quite single-minded in the actions we're willing to take to move towards it. So that's what, that's how intention works. So for me, I am a very intentional person uh, and that comes from a number of things. But, um, but one of the things is as I've got older and more mature is I've learned to bring my energy down to a place where I'm really aware and mindful of what's important to me so my practice of mindfulness is one of the things that really helps with my intentions before I was mindful I still achieved an awful lot so I had a very successful I have now and I have had in the past a very successful career and you know I've set out goals and I, I achieved them the difference between how I did them then and how I do them now is that there would have been a whole lot of wasted energy that would have gone into it as well there would have been some beliefs I had that it had to be hard there would have been also lots of wasted energy of going off on cul-de-sacs and um, dead ends cul-de-sacs and and different paths to try out or just in case or what about and maybe I need to do this so I would I would have just wasted a whole lot of energy but still achieved whereas now what I realize is the intention is is about once you anchor it in your um, in your values and what's important to you and then what's your future state it becomes much more efficient mm. so so for me it's being intentional um, being really clear about what's important and then the other thing which Ed mentioned in his show which I think was very important is that once I've set the intention all I need to make sure is that every day I show up in a way where my actions and what I set as my priorities are consistent with where I want to go. Mm -hmm. I don't need to check each day about whether I've got there or whether I've done enough in this day to get there. I need to give that back to the universe. I need to say to the universe, you know where I'm going. I'll do my bit, which is taking steps every day towards it. And I know somewhere out there, you're going to put all sorts of things in alignment for me that as opportunities come, I'll be open to them. I'll recognize them and I'll take them. Love that. that you are speaking my language. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes, I know. Yes, I was yes, say, yes, for yes. Those of you, <laughs> for those of you who can't see us, Elaine and I look like bobbleheads because our heads are going up and down and up and down. Yes, 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 um, yes, yes. Definitely agreeing with Mary for sure. Um, and then Mary, another question that we always ask is what is the motto that you live by? So my motto pretty much stays the same. Elaine's motto changes based on what season she's in or what project she's working on. So the motto that I live by is I deserve to be here. Mm -hmm. I've had some successes and some hiccups and some setbacks along the way, but it's okay. Um, I'm exactly where I need to be right now doing exactly mm -hmm. what I need to be doing. We would love mm -hmm. to know, Mary, what's the motto that or mottos that you live by? 
Um, I would say, and I'm, I've alluded to it in that last bit, is I'm um, a student of A Course in Miracles, which some of your uh, listeners might be um, uh, uh, familiar with, which seems like it's a religious book, but it's not religious at all. But one of the things that was in there, it was one of, I, I do it about once every two or three years, I go back to the book and do a full year of reading what it is and having that as my mantra or my thought for the day. But one of the ones towards the end of the book, and it was one of the ones um, that I really have as my thing is, whenever I'm in a situation, well, every day, every moment, every emotion, I sit down or I, or I sit with the emotion and I think, okay, I'm not really in charge of this. The universe is in charge or God or the source or whatever is that higher being or that higher sense of consciousness. We can all feel outside of us when we actually, you know, take time to reflect on life and the universe and all of the amazing mysteries and miracles that there are between. So my motto is um, be you in charge, be you the universe, be you the source, be you in charge. And I can just relax in, I've set my intentions, I'm doing the actions I can take each day towards that, but ultimately you're in charge and you'll make things happen for me. Mm, love that. That is, yeah, I know. I'm like, that. that's, that's the thing for the people in the back who didn't hear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> be mm -hmm. you and in charge. I love that. Mm -hmm. And Elaine, what are you up to this week? Well, yesterday um, I got to speak for um, a polka dot chapter and I, there's sometimes there's just little moments when you're like, write this down, everybody, this is a bomb I'm going to drop on you. And so I'm going to drop the bomb today because it's so good. Um, which is that people are motivated by the fear of loss more than the potential to gain, mm. right? Mm. The potential yeah. to gain is not as motivating as the fear of yeah. losing something. And I just think like, ah, we just mm. have to totally, you know, it's, it's, it's like one of those mm. bombs that just makes you go, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. But it goes right back to your early conversation about the baggage. The yes. reason people hold on to the very heavy 20 pound, 40 pound, 60 pound bag is because but I've always carried this and yes. I know this. And yes. who will I Yeah. It's the, what am I going to lose if I let this go? And it's like, we, we hold on to it. Like we, like we have to, like we're supposed to, like, it's, it's just what we've always done. And to do something different than that feels unfamiliar and uneasy. And, but then what, then I can't stay in victim mentality. If I let all this stuff go now, I have to choose to actually do something instead of yeah. being able to use these big giant stones as an excuse of why I'm not moving forward. Mm. Yeah. That's a hard place to be been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. the next question we always ask our guests is where can we find you? Where can our listeners find more about you? Yeah. Well, physically, I'm in a place uh, called Oxfordshire in England, although I'm technically not there today, but that's where I live. But my website is findyourjoyfullife.com. 
Uh, so it's all one word, findyourjoyfullife.com. Um, we, we've mentioned my book, The Female Edge, which is about how women accelerate their leadership ambitions and learn to craft a career on their own terms. So in Find Your Joyful Life, I've got a page called The Female Edge. And in that, they not only hear from me in terms of the video, they find out where to buy the book, but two of the most successful tools for transformation are on there just for people to download and try out. There's the career map and a career compass. They don't need to sign up. They don't need to give me anything. They can just get them out there and they will give them real clarity about where they are now and what's important to them moving forward. If they don't do anything else, then two things will help them. Fantastic. Oh my goodness. Thank you so, so much, Mary. This has been a treat um, and a delight having you on today and having you share your wisdom because you were dropping some wisdom bombs. Yes. Um, people should really rewind and listen to this a second time uh, to really listen to what Mary was sharing with us today. But we so, like I said, so, so, so are delighted that you spent your time with us today. And then once again, people can find you at findyourjoyfullife.com. Perfect. Findyourjoyfullife.com. And we'll be sure to put that in the show notes. So yeah. thank you so much, Elaine. Thank you, Mary. And we'll see yeah. everybody next time. Thank you, guys. Take care. Take care.